I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Film Chat. On this week's episode, I kick ass and take names in my capacity as a judge for Mega City One because I am the law. During a street riot, I take out a violent gang of drug pushers and arrest Sam Foster, a weaselly, cowardly sort of guy who was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't care, though, because the law is the law, and I am the law. Anyway, uh, things take a turn for the worse when, unbeknownst to me, my evil, genetically identical, but physically very different evil clone frames me for a crime, I'm banished to the cursed earth, I manage to escape with Sam, we defeat some cannibals, break back into the city, kill my evil twin brother, and basically save the bloody day, is what I would be saying if this was a adaptation of the movie Judge Dredd, the first and most faithful film version of the 2000 AD comic book series. This is in fact just a podcast where we talk about and review films. I'm Dan Moran, and joining me is my well-meaning motor-mouth friend, Sam Foster. Thank you, Danny. Happy Halloween, everyone. Yay! Um, even though when you're listening to this, it will be the day after Halloween. But I hope you had a happy Halloween. On this episode, a ding at the twisted iron gates of Film Chat's haunted reviewing mansion announces the arrival of James Bond's latest Sony promotion slash film shoot slash film, the spookily titled Spectre. Did we shower it with candy and kisses? Or entice it into our oven and bake it into a gruesome pie? Find out in about 15 terrifying minutes. After that, Dennis Villeneuve's crime thriller Sicario arrives, in costume as the self-perpetuating nature of violence. Abstract choice of fancy dress there, Sicario. We also talk about all the latest, hottest, creepiest news, including a treat for Neil Gaiman, a trick for Neil Blomkamp, and an unusual prenatal project for Alice Lowe. Finally, I get trapped in a room with Michael Caine, as he talks to me continuously without blinking while scary music plays for 18 straight hours. Here's a hint of what that will be like. If I'm talking to you, and I don't blink, and I just keep going, and I don't blink, and I keep on going, and I don't blink, and I just keep going, and I don't blink, and I keep on going, and I don't blink. Awful. Awful. Creepy Creepy as hell. Start the show. Yeah, why not? Why not start it? Films, 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 lots of films, 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 films,
Two wonderful messages this week from two wonderful men. The first... <laughs> the best. The best. The first came from Tim Rogers. Uh, no relation... No, the brother of... Um, <laughs> no relation uh, to me or Danny, but the brother yeah, of... no relation to us, but the brother, brother of our producer, producer, KT. Tim says, I saw Sicario the other day and was struck by the score for the film. The tension in that film was almost all down to the music, and so impressed was I that I downloaded the official soundtrack and listened to it on the way to work, making my ride on the tube feel a lot more portentous. I mentioned this to my girlfriend, and she admitted that she will often listen to the Suspiria and Under the Skin soundtracks at her desk, filling her day with even more paranoia and unease than would normally be the case. It made me wonder, what other great soundtracks are out there, and what banal daily tasks could they help spice up? Listening to the music from Inception whilst trying to assemble an Ikea bookshelf, perhaps? Any suggestions? Good idea, Tim. Good idea, Tim. I have a few soundtracks on my iPod that occasionally come up and uh, make my sort of dog walking seem a bit more epic than it is. I've got, like, uh, the Lord of the Rings soundtrack, and occasionally I'll just be walking in a park and Bridge of right. Casa this... Doom will come on. <laughs> it's like, my God, this walk is pretty fucking epic. Yeah. This park oh, is Hobbiton. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, banal tasks. Ironing to... Uh, <laughs> the Mad Max Fury Road soundtrack. Yeah, that'd be great. That would be pretty good. I'm one of those people who like if there's something uh, like really catchy or like beat driven on my iPod, I find myself like resisting the urge to sort of swagger slightly. Yeah, and so, I think it's sort of I get a look in my face that's like you know it's as if I'm being filmed in a spy film. Or exactly. Something. Like, I'm I'm a badass now. So when I listen to sort of exciting score music, I tend to just walk a bit quicker. Mm. So I don't know if it'd be help me in a you know. Task. Maybe what about just... like, maybe doing the washing up or something like that? You might yeah. have done a little bit more quickly. Yeah. You'd be exactly. like, I'm fucking awesome right I now. I am crushing this washing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like if you're listening to Mission Impossible or something like that while you're doing it. Yeah. And it suddenly feels like a lot rests on you doing it in a sort of precise way. But you will because you're incredibly competent. Absolutely. I like listening to fast like score music when i am got to go catch the bus and I've got to mm. run for it. Mm. I take, I was like, it's going to be cost effective for me time-wise to take the 10 seconds to put on yeah. some sick music. You think, that will you know, spur me on. If I just started run running now, I won't have the necessary motivation to make exactly. the bus. But if I take the time to stand here and just scroll through to yeah. the music I need. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Does this answer your question, Tim? I'm sure it does. Do you ever do that, Tim? Um, we had another message from regular contributor Carola Muti. He says, If by the sea suddenly turned into one of the last pandas on the planet, I would still happily bludgeon it to death with a sock full of leaky DD batteries. I'm just going by the trailers, loving the podcast, keep it up. Uh, for those not in the know, By the Sea is the latest film from Angelina Jolie. She's written and directed it, or maybe just directed it. And there's a teaser trailer release, which is just her and Brad Pitt in a hotel room with some moody music. And They're in a sort of lovely hotel. They both look quite nice. Brad Pitt's got a big moustache. They look unhappy, though. Yeah, it looks yeah. very arty. It just, uh, it just looks like a sort of mood piece. I mean, I guess it's only a teaser, so we can't judge it, you know, too much no. based on that. It did remind me of Brad Pitt's, like, Chanel number no. 5 ads. It's kind of like a similar thing, just sort of standing there and looking a bit pensive. And yeah, I hope that the dialogue in the movie is a bit better than the nonsense he has to say in that ad, though. I know. Inevitable. Inevitable. Um, you and me, we're going somewhere, whatever. I can't even remember what he said. Well, it's hard to remember because it's such total nonsense. It's just gibberish. Yeah. Um, but he smells good. Or something. I hope the two of them smell as good in the movie as he smells in that ad. I hope it's not just like a massive vanity project about how much in love they are. It's like we get it. 
you found each other. Yeah, but they, but it looks like they, they've been quite aggressive to each other in the teaser trailer. So I think they might be working out some of their marital difficulties through the medium of film. This is quite a ballsy move to make a film with your partner, right? What if it's terrible and like you know Brad Brad knows, but he's like, I can't not be in the film. My wife told me to be in it. Well, they so. were in they were in Mr. and Mrs. Smith, right? As people trying to kill each other. Yeah, she was like. So they're like, why don't we take that kind of uh, <laughs> dynamic where we're You're married? Right. We're married and we hate each other, but we'll make an art film out of it. Rather it's the art house, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. The art house, so Mr. Obvious. Mrs. Smith. Yeah. Oh my god, you've blown this wide open for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, her previous two movies had slightly sort of lukewarm to what's, the okay. What's the next one? Is it going to be like an art house version of Maleficent or like? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be Gone in sixty seconds, but directed by Joanna Hogg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, some kind of contemplative, like, weird <laughs> version of Wanted. Yeah. I would definitely, I would definitely go for that, actually. Absolutely. Something about, like, a um, hit woman and the loom of fate, but d- directed by Yorgos Lanthimos, or, you know. You know, this could be a great... You could do a lot with the loom of fate, I think. Absolutely. You know, that's no ridiculous to the premise of his movie, so... Yeah. There's probably something here about getting... Just do art house versions of blockbusters and blockbuster versions of art house movies. Carol, would you rather see like Michael Bay direct a remake of Twelve Years a Slave than By the Sea, or not? That's our question for you. Let us know. <laughs> Let us know. You send us a question, we send you back a question. Thus, that, perpetuating it. <laughs> that's guaranteeing, hopefully, um, content for us forever. Absolutely. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Godspeed. Superhero films announced, casting rumours leaking out M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated, Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated Meryl Streep's Oscar tips, Matt Damon's in a viral vid Michael Bay's made a mint, that's the news that's fit to print Whoa, what the fuck? What the fuck? Empire looks like a blog now so, the big news this week, Empire has redesigned their website <laughs> <laughs> Another news I didn't know this today Danny told me about it. I'm looking at it right now. Boy, is it different to how it was. They've taken on more of a blog-type look. It looks more like a sort of Gorka site or something like that. It's much more, um, I guess, mobile-friendly now than it was. Danny, what's your take? How many stars do you give Empire's new site? Well, I don't know. I'm, I think it's like that, you know, when they changed Facebook and you thought it was like shit and now you can't remember what the old Facebook's like. I'm still in the sort of transitional phase where I was like, it was a lot, you know, it was kind of badly designed, but you could, it was easy to navigate. Yeah, you were used to it. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just a curmudgeon, you know, I'm a Luddite. I don't like change. Yeah. Yeah. If it was up to me, none of us would have iPhones. But does that mean that if they changed it back, that would just upset you more because that's like two changes? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I can't win. You can't please me. <laughs> yeah. So Edgar Wright, who we're always excited to find out what he's doing. He's got this Baby Driver film in production, but he's just got he's just putting more stuff on his plate because he's got Johnny Depp attached to a film version of Neil Gaiman's beloved children's book, Fortunately the Milk. What's that about? I you don't. Pro- yeah, I was about me. to ask. I don't know. I was, I was like, don't ask me, Danny. I think you should probably tell us yourself. It's about a father who's caring for his young son and daughter while their mother's away. He discovers that they're out of milk. He goes to get milk, returns several hours later with a fantastical story involving pirates, aliens, a volcano god, and a stegosaurus in a hot air balloon. Which sounds a bit like some sort of Princess Bride yeah. kind of thing. Sounds and, like fun. And guess who's writing the film, Sam? Guess. Um, Sidney Lumet? <laughs> no, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Wilson? 
no, he's alive, but he doesn't write screenplays. <laughs> it is uh, Brett McKenzie of Fly of the Concords. Oh, right. Is doing the adaptation. So maybe there'll be a couple of songs in there. I hope so. Otherwise, anyway, why get him? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is always, you know, it's always saying Edgar Wright's new movies. I feel that Depp, you know, he was big and now there's a bit of backlash against Depp. People, you know, a slight sort of lukewarm to all his new movies. Yeah, I mean... But I feel now, now it's gone past that and I, people would welcome a return to form. Mm. Well, some people are saying Black Mass represents that kind of thing. Yeah. Because he's doing a I kind don't of... Want a bit of the he's doing some acting or his normal voice doesn't sound like this. Hey, kid, why don't you do some crimes when you grow up like your old man? I haven't seen a film, but that's kind of his thing, right? Yeah. I'm bald in the movie, but in real life, I got hair. Whoa. <laughs> God, I'm good at this spontaneous <laughs> spontaneous gangster dialogue, aren't I? It's brilliant. I'm so gifted. I'm writing this down. I'm good with recording this. Yeah. Um. So presumably, he's going to play the dad. It'd be quite interesting to see him do that, because Johnny Depp is not good at playing <laughs> anybody normal. No, he just plays wacky characters. So, and it's like his wacky shtick is wearing thin. So mm. maybe this will be somewhere in between. Yeah, I think in general it? people are tired of Johnny Depp either being this sort of comedy eye, like characters whose eyes widen all the time in movies, and then off screen just being a shamble of scarves <laughs> and bangles that's permanently drunk, um, and like you know getting in trouble with his dogs and stuff. Absolutely. So yeah, a good opportunity for for Depp. He's working with some cool characters. Yes. Exactly, and I also think that part of the reason why there's been a slight backlash against Depp is that he's just making quite boring acting decisions, of yeah. late and not really working with interesting people. Whereas Edgar Wright, Neil Gaiman, Brett McKenzie, that is a powerhouse of those are three awesome people. So I have high hopes. Mm. So Danny, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Oh to... no! I mean that is great news. Yeah. But unfortunately, we're following that up with some terrible news. What happened? What, what's, what's, going, what's going on, Sam? Well, I know that you follow the career of Neil Blomkamp. Oh, Blomkamp, the... yeah. <laughs> with great interest. Oh, day to night, I'm checking out Blomkamp. Yeah, he recently released his film Chappie. Chappie, Chappie, Chappie. About the, the robot. Who's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch Daddy's car, Don't you touch Daddy's car. Um, he's got like morality problems or something. He's raised robot raised by gangsters in a world where the rugby uh, a masterpiece Australian rugby player is yeah. his greatest villain um, or something. I don't, know. <laughs> I, don't remember, I don't remember that film that well. Um, anyway, so that that film came out to general shrugs, I think. Although you know it was kind of cool in some ways. And uh, his follow up possible project was a sequel to Alien. But unfortunately, that is now, according to Blomkamp's Twitter, being put into a holding pattern. So we're not going to see Blomkamp's Alien anytime soon. He released some um, artwork for it, which is pretty cool. He's like a visually very interesting guy. You know, that's where his um, talents really lie. That's where his heart lies in like the visuals and the special effects yeah. and stuff. Um, and uh, possibly in the wake of Ridley Scott's announcement about Alien, Paradise Lost, or whatever his oh, yeah. no- Four new Alien movies, Prometheus whatever. sequel is. There's obviously a shake-up going on in the Alien sequel world, and so Blomkamp has had his vision temporarily pushed to one oh, side. Dear. Do you think he would have made a good Alien director, Blomkamp? Yeah, I think um, he reminds me of James Cameron a lot of ways, his films. So yeah. I could see him... Because the worst things about his movies last two were like the, the characters are a bit bland. But like... If he had a good scriptwriter and Sigourney Weaver is like an older badass Ripley and you can, you know, spend his days designing all the guns, 
Yeah, yeah. I could see that as like a fun movie. Yeah, definitely. He's good at designing robots and guns. And I'd much rather see a new Neil Blomkamp movie than a Ridley Scott movie. I think he's like... I'm not ready to... Even though Chappie and um, Elysium were a bit all over the place, I'm not, I, I think he's got, you know... I'm not ready to write him off. Yeah, definitely. I feel, I feel the same kind of way. that His movies have been... After District 9, they've been a bit disappointing, but um, a bit interesting, at least, and sort of fun to watch. Um, and uh, of, those, of those sort of category of directors like James Cameron or Zack Snyder who prioritise their visuals over anything else, I think he's one of the better ones. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, oh, no. we'll keep an eye on you, Blomkamp. I'll be following your Twitter feed and uh, hoping for positive updates on your next career moves. <laughs> A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Well, Sam, after that devastating news, let us, let's bring up the mood again. There's <laughs> <laughs> some great news. Uh, one of the most interesting and enjoyable films of recent years was Sightseers which was written by and starred Alice Lowe, who is a familiar face for British comedy fans. She was in Garth Marine's Dark Place and just occasionally sort of pops up and stuff. She was in Hot Fuzz. Who was she in Hot Fuzz? She's Timothy Dalton's, like, secretary. Oh, yeah. Mr. Skinner, manager's office. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. office, Mr. That one. And um, so she is making a film called Prevenge. Prevenge? Revenge. Pre. Um, which is about... Wait, is that, was that the whole title you are just reading? Or no, you reading, I just sort of... Was... You're reading it in several different ways. Yes, it's called Prevenge. Got it. And it is a post-feminist revenge movie. Post-feminist? <laughs> post-feminist. <laughs> I don't know but already, already, I'm excited. And it, uh, not much is about the story is known, other than it revolves around a pregnant woman on a killing spree, targeting individuals from different walks of life. Awesome. And uh, what, the most interesting thing about this is it's going to be a six-day shoot... And Alice Lowe herself is seven and a half months pregnant. A six-day shoot? Yeah. That's it? Wow, that's, that's really That's it. That's it's really like short. a serial killer movie. I mean, she obviously loves serial killers because that's what sort of Sightseers is about. Yeah. And uh, she said of the script, my real experience, uh, talking about being a mother, people automatically assume you're a lovely person because you're pregnant. I wanted to write something which defied that image of the pregnant woman as this safe, sweet, kind person. I felt like motherhood is a crazy, interesting experience and is rarely seen on screen. Pregnancy could be a very alien, existential experience, and we don't show it on screen in those terms. I wanted to defy people's expectations of what that character was and could be and get some humor out of it. So that sounds very interesting. That sounds cool. The thing I like about that idea is that... um pregnancy as well as being shown as that kind of like earth mother you know giving to the world kind of process is also often interpreted in like through like demonic possession or you know it's like a whole like uh, pregnancy is part of horror films a lot like rosemary's baby and things like that and alien um and alien absolutely um and so doing the pregnancy like looking at pregnancy through a serial killer film is like a different way to do it um and uh yeah, there's a couple of movies where the social commentary is kind of made through um, killing sprees. Like that yeah. seems to be a sort of mini genre. Like, um, what is that Tarantino scripted movie? Oh, Natural Born Killers. Natural Born Killers or Sightseers, and there's a, um, there's a there's a Bobcat Goldthwait film um, oh, starring yeah. the uh, Bill, Joel, Murray's Joel <laughs> yeah, Joel Murray's oh, brother. Yeah, Joel Murray's brother. God bless America. Or yeah, it's called yeah. something like that where he like goes on a killing spree across America and he's just killing like reality TV stars and like people who text during films and just things he hates. You know, 
Um, so it's an established cinematic trope for um, saying stuff about society, and uh, and it's a cool idea. And I love the fact that like when she's pregnant herself, like she was going to use that to make this kind of nuts. Absolutely, film. it's pretty unique. Yeah, uh, filming conditions. It's really cool. I would uh, advise anyone to watch Sightseers. It's on UK Netflix, and it's really, really good. I want. I haven't seen it, but I do want to. <sighs> Uh, that's Guess an official out. film chat one two for me one two one two <laughs> cool cool well thank god our moods are lifted i think i'm ready for the reviews now sam me too i'm in a good positive mood for um absolutely shitting on a film so why don't we <laughs> <laughs> let's crack on with that my favorite film stars bridget bardo she's the queen but she wants to be in radio so she starts a podcast with her friends and the terrorists try to stop her but she beats them in the end Danny, Spectre. It's a big film. What's it about? It's a huge film. I'll tell you what it's about. It's the latest James Bond film. Uh, James Bond, he starts off, he's in Mexico City. He's um, trying to shag somebody, but he like gets distracted and kills someone instead. <laughs> Turns out it's... Story of his life. The last missions uh, he was sent on by Judy Dench, and he's tracking a sort of syndicate of terrorists who might be called Spectre. They are called Spectre. Uh, meanwhile... Back home, Ray Fiennes is, uh, as the newly appointed M, is fighting off uh, the bureaucracy of the surveillance industry. Uh, Andrew Scott, probably best known as Moriarty from Sherlock, is the head of CNET, which is like some sort of MI6, but more computers. Mm. He's like, your spies Even more are old laptops. and, you know, rubbish. There's no place for them in the new world. He's a Cold War relic. And while all that develops, Bond is globetrotting. He teams up with Leia Sadu. To track down Christoph Waltz, who's the head of this evil uh, organization. Yeah, and uh, I think that was sort of weary tone of voice in which you delivered that. Yeah, um, do you want to hear a clip? Do you want to hear a great clip? Uh, Yeah, let's hear a brilliant clip. Who's in it? Uh, This is Christoph Waltz doing some bad guy monologuing. Brilliant. Information is all. Is it not? For example. You must know by now that the double O program is officially dead. <laughs> Which leads me to speculate exactly why you came. So, James, why did you come? I came here to kill you. And I thought you came here to die. Well, it's all a matter of perspective. There you go. Fantastic. I actually think that that clip oversells the film a little bit because um, Christopher Waltz is a cool guy and he's fun to listen to and he sort of chews up every single word of every single line. Absolutely. Um, so he's quite an entertaining screen presence, I would say. But as a whole, we both found this film to be bad, I think. It's probably <laughs> safe to say. Right? Yeah, it's a, um, it's a bit of a mess, Yeah. to put it lightly. It's like it's trying to be a sort of light-hearted more traditional Bond movie, uh, but somehow make that work for 2015, and I just don't think it succeeds in that at all. And um, I'm not a big fan of Skyfall, or I'm not really a fan of these sort of serious um, takes on absolutely ludicrous uh, source material. Yeah. Um, But Skyfall had a certain sort of uniformity of tone, even if that tone was boring, tedious, and pretentious. (laughs) Whereas this is kind of all over the place. And the just the plotting's very meandering. It's just stuff happens. Stuff happens. He talks to somebody. They like go over here, and it kind well, of winds like, down to a finale rather than gears up to it. Yeah, it's got a um, the structure of it is basically that James Bond goes to a beautiful location. And he talks to someone, 
and then they say the next bit of the plot happens in this beautiful location so he's like okay i better go there and he goes there and they just that's the kind of pattern that it settles into it's weird because all these daniel craig films um probably most obviously with skyfall but it's also true of uh this movie are like arguments for why bond is important it's like the argument is like you're... Well, everyone's always trying to scrap bond yeah exactly yeah and it's like the franchise is constantly arguing for its own existence, which shows a real sort of lack of confidence. It's a very sort of anxious approach to, rather than being like, you know, we're a big, fun movie and, you know, Bond is relevant, fuck you if you think otherwise. It's yeah. like trying to persuade me that he is and failing. I had a lot of problems with it. I think Bond as a franchise has got some severe issues, which it is, which are just getting worse and worse as it goes on. <laughs> it is basically so burdened by its own conventions that about... 80% of the energy of the film is spent just trying to do things which are the sort of things that happen in a Bond film with the just coherence, the boxes. plot, characters, <laughs> and dialogue all taking kind of second seat to that. And every Absolutely. single thing that Bond says has to be the sort of cool thing James Bond would say, which is basically a sentence that's about three or to six <laughs> words long and is sort of mysterious and grumpy. Yeah, it's just it just feels very soulless and dead. So it's like they had the sort of boxes that they have to tick. And the um the writers, they've had the same writers for a very long time and they they are just des- in desperate need of new ones because these guys are both quite slavish in their um way that they're trying to get all the bond stuff done and all the cool things bond has to do you know like he's got to have sex a couple of times you know blah 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 all these sort of standard bond traditions but they're also very repetitive on their own work so there's a lot of things in this movie which is like they just took from skyfall and just kind of did again yeah but it, so it's sort of referencing all these sort of old bond movies like blofeld and all that kind of stuff like you look at the posters it's all like this is very classic bond but then it's also trying to tie up the plots from the recent bond movies so there's tons of references to those none of which had any relationship to each other the movies themselves and it, there was no obvious way in which those various plots were building up to this plot so it tells you about a bunch of the characters in the past films as they are supposed to give a shit but you obviously <laughs> don't and it's like the, the writers are like, it's all part of this big scheme. Look, you know? I mean, so you, what? This isn't a spoiler because it's in the trailer, but Christoph Waltz is like, I'm the author of all your pain. And, uh, <laughs> and he, he sort of claims to be responsible for the plots of the previous films, but it's really not explained in what sense, you know? Yeah. It's just like, it's just he just says that he is, and it's like, oh, wow, it's all part of the same thing. But it's like, it isn't. Um, with Daniel Craig's casting and Casino Royale, it's like the sort of reboots. And it's almost disheartening how quickly it's just been burdened by its own mythos. Yeah. I thought he was only qualified like a week ago, you know? And now he's... It's like he's he's been Bond since Casino Royale, but like every single other Bond film is also kind of canon now. Yeah, so yeah. So he's done like 25 films. It's interesting to look at the sort of critical response to Bond movies because they're very strange. They hold a very strange place in British film culture, I think, where it's like a mixture of uh, patriotism and nostalgia for it yeah i think gives it like a much easier ride and uh credits go quite soft on it yeah and they, so they absolutely do, yeah. really like there comes a point where like just the misogyny is like a huge problem and it's very tedious to like watch it and like they try and sort of subvert it and then they're like actually no no yeah <laughs> this is what this is what i mean by by saying it can't it's like the weight of its own convention is an issue because it it has these pretensions to be a more serious or more modern or a more relevant kind of film but all of the sort of bits and pieces that weighed the Bond movies down, you know, in the 60s, when you watch them now that seem so dated, they're just still there. 
Yeah, yeah. And it, like the credit sequence, it, just that, for example, is just ridiculous now. I just you can't have that in a film now. I'm sorry, I just can't take it seriously. I can't have like this five minute long animated sequence with some like shitty pop song that was written about you know in like 20 minutes or whatever by some guy you know that the producer picked where which is just full of silhouetted naked cavorting babes and then like in order to make it somehow more like fair bond is also naked in it so it's naked bond naked babes and then like an animated cgi octopus like with its tentacles going all over them and it's just like what is this I don't yeah. know. It's just, it's just silly. It's quite a tiring movie. It's basically, it's full of stuff, you know. It's full of all the stuff the trailer promises. Yeah. But it's not very elegantly put together. And all these scenes of uh, running and jumping and things exploding have these very dead dialogue scenes. And it's a bit like, um, it's that sort of maximum that the character is defined by their actions. But never is it more literally true of like James <laughs> Bond. And it kind of posts like a philosophical quandary. It's like, if Bond isn't moving does he exist <laughs> because <laughs> if he's not like uh fighting somebody there's just like nothing there yeah who is he <laughs> like, what does he do i mean there's they almost sort of acknowledge that with um with the bit where money penny goes around his flat and it's just like empty yeah and it's kind of this acknowledgement that he's it's not like a, a sort of uh, it's like a tom stopper play he's just a, he's just a sort of cultural symbol but he's not a there's, there's no psychological realism to his character he's not a person at all and oh, yeah only superficially yeah. He had a dad and yeah, misery, yeah, but... lost a girlfriend, and, you know, yeah. he seems fine about it. Though. But he is more, like, uh, there's a very good Wesley Morris review that you sent me um, of um, Skyfall uh, in the Boston Globe, which I recommend Googling to our listeners, because almost everything about that criticism applies to this movie. But one of the things he says is that um, Daniel Craig basically plays the role like a fashion model, um, yeah. which is true. They, they 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 do like nothing with him. I think it's I think again I think it's kind of a weakness of the writers as well because um, they can their their main concern is to uh, tickle the bond boxes and then to have one or two kind of trailery lines. You know, people say like kiss off lines and and that kind of thing. But underneath that, nothing nothing is happening. And some of those lines are also just dreadful. Like there's a bit in this movie where. Um, Christoph Waltz is standing behind bulletproof glass like every villain has to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, he explains his evil plan to uh, Bond, and Bond says, you're bluffing. And uh, Christoph Waltz says, am I? You know, it's just yeah. like, come on. I think, basically, my, my pithy summation would be like, if it was just like, just embraced its shallow, fun, colourful origins and just delivered like a fun movie, like a Fast and Furious film, it would be fine. But it's got these sort of illusions of grandeur about it's some sort of deeper meaning as a real person. And so it's a real tonal mismatch. It just doesn't work yeah. fundamentally. So, and that kind of sucks the fun of it slightly because it's sort of well, you, it's quite dour. You can't layer on an atmosphere of being a more serious film if you don't actually be a more serious <laughs> film. You have to actually be one. And it, the, the Bond franchise is in the situation where every single other franchise which takes elements from Bond is better because they don't, they're not... Um, like burdened by all that crap absolutely so like the f- I, i'd much rather watch a fast and furious film than this bond movie and the mission impossible 5 movie that came out earlier this year is much better than spectre is absolutely and, yeah um yeah what's what's the Man other one and like born or something like that i mean casino royale was trying to like be a born film but oh, a, yeah. the born movies are obviously bond influence and they're just much better than you know 
So, uh, yeah, so, I don't know. So it, needs, it, needs a total, <laughs> it needs a total overhaul. They really need to get rid of the writers, change their whole approach. Then they either do the sort of back to the sort of cartoon, fun, man from Uncle style Bond, you know, would like die on the day or something like that, but like marginally less terrible <laughs> than that. Um, or they need to make an actual good film about a spy, which you can do. You know, you, you can make a Bond film which has like beautiful people in it and has sex in it and has like lots of locations and he's good at being a spy and he shoots people and he wears nice suits or whatever. I'm sure you can have that and it'd be good as well. Like, it doesn't it doesn't have to be terrible. You don't have to have these like ridiculously like like terrible sex scenes and the awful dialogue and stuff. Like my my final moan that I'll make before we move on. This has been a long review, but Monica Bellucci right was um. Uh, won some advanced praise for being in this movie or rather the film um was praised because she's slightly older than daniel craig so it's unusual so she was like billed as a bond girl one of the bond girls mm. um he's such a man he can't only have one woman absolutely not and needs uh, two at least needs at least two and um so she was kind of billed as that and it was like cool you know he'll be age appropriate uh, bond girl age appropriate bond girl she is in two scenes she gets about five minutes of screen time her entire purpose in the film is to tell him where the next bit of the film will happen and to have sex with him. And that is it. The film just sort of picks her up, discards her, shows her in lingerie, and then it's like, goodbye. And it's like, that is rubbish. It's just total rubbish. Looks like Sam's got a film to review. He's just getting ready now. Hey Sam, here's a few tips for you that I hope are gonna help you out. You gotta come prepared, try not to rush, speak directly into the mic. Um, don't sort of use filler words too much and try to avoid talking total shit. Okay, start reviewing now. So this is a bit of a late review of a movie that's been out for quite a long time now, but it might still be around if you um, can catch it. Sicario, it's uh, directed by Denis Villeneuve, who's becoming hot shit now, um, having directed Enemy and Prisoners um and uh, various other movies that have been quite well received and um this time he's taking on mexico's uh, drug war the sort of along the mexican border um it stars emily blunt as an fbi agent who's kind of taken out of her comfort zone and assigned to a task force with josh brolin and benita del toro um who are doing some sort of mysterious anti-drug stuff and she's never totally informed what's happening and it's a it's a brilliant film i really thought it was excellent um it's definitely one of my films of the year so far it's a gripping thriller looks incredible it's photographed by roger deakins who is excellent and has done many very beautiful films he did skyfall um, uh, right yeah that's and... that skyfall is a very beautiful looking movie and um so was um true grit the Coen's brothers one which he he did right yeah he's famous for having i think close to 10 nominations now he's oh like yeah but he never of, yeah he keeps getting nominated for oscars and not yeah, winning. yeah he's like a sort of cinematographer cinematographer i think he's held yeah. in huge esteem in the industry and rightly so yeah and sicario looks amazing it's got some incredible landscape shots and he somehow even finds a way of making like the interior of a bar look like good you know even that looks like some sort of photographic masterpiece it's it's a really good thriller because it's exciting and it's about something and those two elements knit together really well and it knows exactly what it is doing. Um, it reminded me a little bit of No Country for Old Men, which is another slightly nihilistic, terrifying film about the awful things people do to each other and about kind of moral breakdown. But there's much more of a political edge to Sicario because it's about a contemporary massive problem. Absolutely. Well, and basically, until Trump builds the wall, in which case... Be, <laughs> yeah, fine, that, right? that, that will solve it. Yeah. Once you have that massive wall. 
the sort of cliche strong female character in movies is the woman who is sort of vulnerable but strong you know what i mean she's like, in a man's world but she holds her own yeah that kind of thing yeah. but you know you can see that it's tough whatever Absolutely. so that is a bit of a cliche and that is pretty much what's happening in this movie but she just sells it incredibly incredibly well and benicia del toro is really brilliant in it as this sort of man of mystery um who's got like a real air of danger and he, yeah he doesn't he doesn't always do great movies benicia del toro you know it's like if you saw him as the collector or whatever in um Guardians of the Galaxy. And Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. Then uh, you are not seeing, you know, his um, full range as an actor, I would say. Uh, but in this movie, he's got such an air of menace about him, and uh, it's very, very good. Excellent. It sort of feels authentic. I don't know exactly how much of it is true or whether it's based on a true story or something like that. But it's basically about how um, cynical and uh, brutal the way that uh, the sort of world of... Um, anti-drug policy is um and there's some very dark stuff america is doing which is somewhat similar to kind of war on terror type stuff that they're taking that kind of approach um where the ends always justify the means kind of thing okay yeah um and uh as i say i don't know how much of it is founded in reality but if some of it is then you know shit then shit um but yeah highly highly recommended excellent check it out i'm definitely gonna do that yeah does anyone want to come see Sakari with me? Just, uh, <laughs> just get it, get in touch. I'm very lonely. Ooh, time for a break from all the film chat. Have a cup of tea, maybe make a quick snack and telephone friends so you know where she's at. Right, that's enough now. Back to film chat. After I uh, went to see Spectre, I met a couple of friends for a drink. And um, one of the things why, I was thinking... Why, why wasn't I invited, Sam? Why wasn't I there? Well, <laughs> because we didn't care to invite you, Danny. Oh, didn't care to. Didn't want you there. And we were talking about, or maybe I was holding forth about, um, the Bond movie's approach to sex, right? So um, this is actually one of the things that I, was, I thought about because that was in Morris Review again, that they are, it's like, they always have to be full of sex all the time. It's got to like get laid all the time, which yeah. is always a, it's always a bit jarring. He's you know? powered by getting laid. Yeah, because he never seems like a, a man who's remotely, I don't know, he's such a sort of like Bond robot that it always seems a bit weird when he's interested in like um, sleeping with women. It always feels so obligatory in the scripts. But because the movie has to be 12A, it has to have like the widest possible audience, it, you never really see anything. And then it's kind yeah, of an issue yeah, with the film. Yeah. Like the movie, like they have no edge whatsoever, and uh, so even though the sex is completely bland, it still manages to give some quite bad messages about sexual encounters between men and women. Yeah, because absolutely. he is horrible to everyone, but especially to women, mm. and uh, he's really rude to them, really brisk towards them, and when he wants to sleep with them, he will just sort of grab one. And then sex will ensue. Like there's that strange moment in Skyfall where he just turns up in the shower. shower, (laughs) Yeah, and it's very rapey. And in this one with Monica Bellucci, he's just sort of talking to her, and then he just kind of grabs her and pushes her against a wall. And And she's 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 weak. She can't. She's just seduced. She's powerless. So they just have to have sex. And I don't think that's a good message. You know, a lot of teens see these movies, and um, they're you know they don't know that much. They're impressionable, and they are thinking. You know, I'm a man, if, if they are. Yeah. And they're thinking, you know, this is how I've got to get a woman to be attracted to me. I've got to wear the most expensive suit I can find, frown, be rude and dismissive towards her. And the way that I show my interest would just, by, would just be by essentially grabbing her by the shoulders and pushing her against a wall. 
That's and I don't think message. that's good. No, no. So I was thinking, what should they do to give a more positive, better sex messages to kids? To kids? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, well, why I said it like that. I think it needs a good 10 minutes of foreplay. Yes. That's one thing he doesn't... Well, then, you know, that cuts long before you even get there. Yeah. But they should have that. Absolutely. Yeah. And there should be a scene where he's in Q's lab and Q gets him the latest condoms from Q Brunch. It's like, uh, Q, I might be having sex on this trip. Have you got any protection for me? That's a great idea, but I think even better would be if he just went into Boots and bought some condoms. Yeah, why does he have to get it from... You're right. Because because it should be... We should be able to see it how... It should be accessible. That it's a cool, sexy thing to do to buy condoms. Yeah. Which it is. And, and there should be a bit where he gets, the, he gets the wrapper out. Yeah. Do you think it would give the film a higher age rating if he got a condom out? Yeah, you don't see his dick or anything. that's more responsible, right? Yeah, exactly. So you think it would exactly. lower it, if anything? You yeah, it should... should bring it down to like a PG. <laughs> like a U, right? <laughs> <laughs> he gets the condom out. Yeah, he buys the condoms and they're ribbed for her pleasure. Yeah, because it's all about pleasing her. Yes. it's not about him. Good point. But yeah, that was one. That was the bit that I liked in Fifty Shades of Grey. He gets the condom out and he like tears it with his teeth in a kind of erotic way. Yeah, it was kind of and it was like good, cool move, good for you. Yeah. So Bond should be doing that. There should also be a bit where he loses his erection or maybe he finishes very quickly. And he apologizes and, and he and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And she's like, don't worry about it. No sweat, you know. Yeah. And they just like they're just as comfortable with each other. It's not a problem. Absolutely. I think maybe just make it clear the terms of the relationship up front. He's like, listen, I, I'm emotionally... That's a, that's a good one. He's like, I'm emotionally distant. I'm not ready for a proper relationship. I travel a lot. I'd love to spend the night with you, but I can't promise you a relationship. But that's if that's a, what you're looking for, you should look elsewhere. That's really good, yeah, because then he's not going to bed with her under false pretenses. No, no. Yeah. And also, how about... There's a bit more of the woman is, like, coming onto him. You know? Yeah, exactly. I want to see a Bond movie where the woman actively tries to woo Bond. She leaves him chocolates in his hotel room. She sends him, like, love letters. And although initially not that interested, he's then won over by her attentions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think? Absolutely. I think that would totally work. So, yeah. Well, I'll be sending this to Sam Mendes after this is aired. Mm -hmm. Well, he probably listens, right? Yeah. So what what do you think, listeners? What are your ideas? Sex-positive Bond film. That's what we want to see next. So, thanks for listening to this slightly hungover, <laughs> und- underprepared episode of Film Chat. We are going to take a week hiatus, um, but we'll be back. But we'll be back after the week after that with our 49th episode. So just on the cusp of 50. Hope we can make it. It'll be a nice milestone. Yeah, I hope we don't die before the 50th. I hope we don't die. Mm. Yeah, so we're off next week. So struggle through. Struggle through. Try and find a different podcast. Actually, don't. don't. don't just don't. listen to some old ones. Yeah, just listen to <laughs> Get back to the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, revise. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye. Let's do it. It's not a journey. Every journey ends, but we go on. The world turns and we turn with it. Plans disappear. Dreams take over. But wherever I go, there you are. My luck, my fate, my fortune. Chanel number five. Inevitable.
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.